Our guest today is Lewis Robb. Lewis is a renewable energy design specialist and has a range of experience across a breadth of projects. Today we sat down to talk all things renewable energy and how you can incorporate renewable energy technologies into your home or property. Enjoy. Welcome to a design-led approach, your one-stop shop for all things construction, business and design. We speak with entrepreneurs and business owners in the design and construction industry who share their advice, talk about the challenges in the industry and give you insight into their day-to-day lives. A design-led approach starts now. So, Lewis, welcome to the podcast. Thanks thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Tell me a bit about your experience and some of the projects you've worked on. So, um, from a very young age, I'm sort of raised in the building industry, you could say, because my, my dad's actually an architect. So, when I was in school, I did my, my, my work experience with him. Um, so, I've been involved with the actual construction industry. Um, after school, I went to uh, to college to study engineering systems, um, just because that's where my passion of, of wanting to know how things were put together uh, came from. Yep. Um, and from there, I sort of learned about the the systems that we use to to heat properties and and what building materials might be better suited for for insulating the the property as best we can. Um, while I was at college, I, I was also working part time um, for a, a heating company. Um, so from there, uh, I was uh, working primarily with underfloor heating, um, paired with heat pumps. So. Um, we tend to find that they work well together because the the heat pumps can run at lower temperatures in order to heat the system. But my experience with the projects uh, varied from small-scale domestic projects, one or two-bedroom houses, up to large-scale domestic projects, which will be uh, your your larger houses. And I also dealt with um, large commercial properties such as um, offices, um, museums, that kind of thing, public hubs. Um, so... I have a very, very wide range of experience from... Yeah, it's, it definitely sounds very varied and it sounds like you've got um, experience on different scales of projects, etc. Yeah. A question of, I like to ask my guests is, is, was there something that drew you to engineering? Why why did you want to become an engineer? So it was, it's more about, for me, learning about how, how, how everything is put together, uh, learn how everything works kind of thing, the actual machinations within the, the machinery and the... Um, the equipment that we use, I really enjoy learning about how things work. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, from when I was a wee child, of playing with Legos, that kind of thing, building all kind of, yeah. Yeah, it's stuff. very similar to myself. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. drives me. Exactly, yeah. So I've, I'm a homeowner or I've got a, a property for my business. Is, is there a way that, what what's the best way to go about reducing my, like, energy bills or reliance on fossil fuels so there's a very large number of ways you can go about doing it um what we tend to do in the industry is is look at it as a sort of hierarchy um where your first protocol is is trying to reduce um the actual amount of energy you're needing to use to uh, to heat the house yeah. so it's looking at building fabrics that kind of thing um, like passive passive design passive measures design measures yeah. yeah so if you can if you can increase your insulation if you can reduce uh, like drafts and that kind of thing from the house um, quite an easy one that a lot of people often look at is trying to replace the windows for uh, upscaling from single glazing up to double glazing yeah. and there's funding available for that um, so it's, it's it's really about trying to reduce how much energy you're needing to actually put into the building before yeah. you look at um, actually putting into 
more advanced measures such as replacing your heating system and things like that. Yeah. Um, there is, of course, ways to to reduce the bills by uh, installing, like I said, the new technologies, which you could look at air source heat pumps, ground source heat pumps, um, installing maybe more efficient uh, emitters, that kind of thing. Yeah. And you mentioned you mentioned building fabric, right? So if I was putting off a brand new building or property, mm -hmm. that would obviously be very easy to, to build the it's, fabric how I want. It's much easier with a new build, yeah, for yeah. sure. So see if you were going to do it on a on an existing Victorian building, how, how would you go about establishing the, the building performance of the building fabric? So to to reduce that, you, 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 you can either look at internally or externally. Um, typically with, with older Victorian buildings, it's, it's a bit harder to do externally because you have the uh, typically stone walls, so you can't yeah. build out. You can build in, however, where you, you'll uh, pull down the walls and put insulation, a larger amount of insulation into the, the wall. Um, you could put insulation on the floors and the ceiling. Loft yep. insulation is always a very easy one to do. Yep. Typically, it's uh, older properties aren't in, as well insulated in the loft as they can be, um, and it's much easier to access rather than tearing down all of your walls. Yeah. yeah. Um, is, it, is there any method for for like establishing where drafts are? Yep. So you can you can use thermal cameras to see where uh, cold spots in the the property are. That's typically right, okay. where you'd find drafts. Yeah. Um, there are other methods as well using. Um, using gaseous uh, materials to actually see where the, the air is going uh, but thermal cameras are generally the easier one to uh, yep. so you can actually have an image of what's, what's actually happening yeah where, where uh, your drafts are coming in etc exactly. and, and have targeted exactly, exactly. approach to that you, you can if you need to you can look at where they are and then you can discuss what, what measures you can do to improve it yeah so, so you touched on air source heat pumps and ground source heat pumps briefly there mm -hmm. um I've read many places of the benefits of each and there's always argument in the industry, what, what's the better system, etc. Yep. So can you quickly explain the benefits of each and what, what are the main differences between air source heat pumps and ground source heat pumps? Yep. So air source and ground source both use the same principles in order to um, to heat the, the, uh, the system. What, what you'll find is with air source, it, it uses a conversion of air to water um, so it's taking the, the temperature out of the air. Yep. Ground source is taking the temperature out of the, the ground water. So you'll run either pipes in a horizontal loop um, or in a vertical borehole. Yep. Um, and that just extracts the heat from the ground. Um, whereas air source, funnily enough, take the, the heat from the air. Yep. The, the differences are air source heat pumps um, tend to be quite a lot cheaper to install. Um, they're also a lot less uh, invasive in the installation. So the, the overall installation cost is much reduced. Um, they do, however, sit externally to the property in order to extra extract the air. Um, ground source are installed internally, um, right. either in a plant room. It, it can be an external plant room, but it would be in, in an internal space for the unit. And then the loops are ran uh, via manifold outside. Um, yep. If it's the borehole, then <clears throat> that's just a wee, a wee man manhole that sits either. You can actually sit in the basement of the property or in the driveway or in the garden, um, or if you have a lot of land space, you can run horizontal loops, which tends to be cheaper than the, the borehole. Um, on an efficiency scale, the, 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 the ground source heat pumps tend to be more efficient than the air source, and they would they do extract a, a bit more energy. However, with technologies, the way that they're going, air source is actually getting better and better. Yeah. And you tend to find, uh, unless you have a lot of uh, upfront capital that you're willing to spend, air source tends to be a bit more of a a cost cost-efficient method. Yeah, and obviously we're based in Scotland, but heat pumps are based 
are, are used in Scandinavia. They're used all over the world. Yeah. Do they still extract heat from the air, even though it's zero outside? Zero outside, yeah. Uh, most most heat pumps will run down into the negatives, um, yeah. and in fact, you'll you'll get you actually can get up to maximum efficiency with a lot of them down to negative five degrees. Below that, you do still extract heat, but it might not be at its most efficient, and it might yep. use more energy in order to get the heat out of it. So does that they mean do still if, run. if if I live in the north of Scotland, for talking's sake, and it's minus 15 outside, does that mean that I'm not going to have any heating? Not at all, not at all. So when, when we're installing heat pumps, um, as part of the, the, the regulations, we'll install um, immersion heaters within the cylinders, um, and that's actually unnecessary wherever you are because you need to bring the, the temperature within the water system up above 60 degrees um, just for leaking air protection. Yeah. Um, with a boiler, you don't quite as necessarily need that because they are running at a higher temperature. Yeah. Um, heat pumps, as a, a rule of thumb, run at a lower temperature um, just because it's much more efficient and much easier to heat the, the, the water, not as high, obviously. Um, so the if, if you find that it's negative 15 degrees, um, what you'll find is the heat pump might not be running it up to its full full potential, but the immersion heater will kick in and it will bring that temperature up. Right, okay. Um, so it's not quite as efficient, but it's still more efficient than you would find a boiler to be. But if there's only so many days of the year where it's negative 10, exactly. 15, whatever, yeah. then it might be it's, worthwhile it's, yeah, over, the, over the course be. of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so in my property, I've got an existing boiler. Mm -hmm. um, it's a wet system. It's got conventional radiators on the yeah. wall. Is it is it just a case of ripping out the boiler and putting in an air source heat pump, replacing it's, it with an air source heat pump? It's not quite as easy as that, unfortunately. Um, right. So what you need to look at with air source heat pumps, as I mentioned before, they'll run at a lower temperature. Right. Um, or, or sorry, heat pumps in general will just run at a lower temperature in comparison with a boiler. So what you'll find is the the radiators will be sized to run at that higher temperature that the boiler was outputting. So what you actually need to do is look at the emitters and determine if that they need to be upsized uh, in order to actually put out the same amount of heat running at that lower temperature that the, the heat pumps provide. Yeah. So so it's not just a case of looking at the manufacturer's data sheet and determining Unfortunately, what the output of the yeah. radiator is. You've got to look at certain derating factors. For... Exactly. Exactly. You might find that some of them are, are oversized for the room that they're in, in which case you, you, you might get away with not replacing them, but in, in most cases you do need to to replace the the radiators and the emitters. Yeah, yeah. So, so I decide to, to upgrade my entire system. I take uh, the the capital hit for that. I upgrade the pipework, the radiators, the air, I put, install an air source heat pump mm -hmm. or a ground source heat pump for that matter. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that I'll have free energy for? forever in a day <laughs> unfortunately not um with with the heat pumps they do still require an input which is unfortunately in the electricity um so you will find that the or you will tend to find that the electricity bills will will increase unfortunately with that conversely your gas would obviously come down if it was a gas fired boiler uh, or you wouldn't have an oil fire you would you, you would have more of an electricity bill than, than gas or like uh, gas or oil yeah so you so you are reducing your you are reliance reducing on your on fossil fuels as well, aren't you? By all means, yeah. And um, you could obviously offset that with solar PV. Yes. Assume. Yeah, you would. So what you tend, or what a lot of people do when they install heat pumps, they'll also look at installing solar, and it just like you said, it offsets the cost, brings down the the electricity bill a bit, um, and yeah, improves the the efficiency of the system. Yeah, because another another common question I see asked in the industry is. It's okay if you've got a property with nice bit of land, etc., to install a heat pump. But what happens if I live in a 
a first floor flat or a second floor flat or a, I don't have garden space. Yeah, yeah. Is, what 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 options do I have? So there are there are still avenues you can look to install heat pumps, for example, on the on the side of the building. Um, it it does become difficult, obviously, with maintenance and the installation because it's at a raised raised height. Um, you also need to look at the the legislation for the area. If it's uh, on the street, for example, it's then impacting on on the the visual aesthetic of the frontage. Yep. Um, what you tend to find is they'll need to install them around the back, and you also need to be uh, careful about what's underneath it, for example. Um, so there is still avenues for for looking at heat pumps. However, it becomes obviously a bit more involved and a bit more difficult to do. So, and in, in, we've obviously spoke about solar PV. We've spoke about air source heat pumps, ground source heat pumps. Are there any other renewable technologies that are available to people who want to? reduce their energy bills or reduce their reliance on on fossil fuels yeah there's there's a number of different technologies for example you can look at uh, mechanical heat recovery ventilation mhrv and, um, and when would that be kind of suitable it's like is that always suitable can i just retrofit that to my existing not, property not always as, as we were saying before older buildings tend to be a lot more leaky with with air for example um so you actually tend to find that the mhrv is more suitable for for new builds and that kind of thing and um, because they're a lot more airtight the air that you're recycling through and, and recovering the heat from um, is a lot more efficient because you're not bleeding out into the, the atmosphere. Yeah. Um, so you tend to find with heat, with uh, ventilation and that kind of thing, it's much more amenable and much more suitable for new builds. Um, it, not that it's not possible with renovations. It certainly is. It just becomes a lot more difficult and less uh, cost efficient to do so. And in the commercial industry, see if I've got an office, would is, is heat recovery recommended in like offices or hospitals or anything like that? By all means, in fact, it's actually it's definitely beneficial because of the the quality of the air. Um, it, it it can help you concentrate a lot better, so you're not breathing stale air all the time. Right. And with with hospitals and that kind of thing, um, it's much more beneficial because, of, for example, people with allergies and things like that, it's uh, it removes the, or reduces the amount of impact that um, pollen and things like that because the air is filtered, yep. exactly. Um, so it's actually beneficial uh, in that sort of sense as well. Yeah, and, and see if I don't want to spend the thousands of pounds installing renewable energy technologies, mm -hmm. is there any other maybe more simple ways that I could reduce my energy bills or any other... Yeah. Any other technologies available? Yeah, for sure. As, as as I said before, the first avenue that we would always recommend is look at the material of the building first. Um, look at reducing the um, the amount of energy you're needing to actually put in in order to get the same amount of uh, oomph out of it, more bang for your buck. And, and when you're talking about material, you're talking about windows, you're talking about windows, doors, doors yeah, insulation kind of in thing. the loft, that, yep. that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, the easy one is usually the windows, the uh, because they're very they're, they tend to put out a lot more heat than the walls. Obviously, being much thinner and much less thermally insulative, windows are an easy one to to replace. Um, yeah, so it's about reducing the actual the actual footprint of the building before you look at upscaling the the mechanical part of it. Right. Okay. And and the the renewable energy engineers like yourself or specialists like yourself have ways of calculating that and determining how much energy a building's using, how much it could likely use if you installed X, Y, and Z, yeah. and, and obviously the return on investment on on installing technologies. Is that is that a possibility to Of course, yeah. So the when as an engineer, when engineers go to look at it, they'll take the what's called a U value, which is just a measure of how thermally um insulative a material is. Right. Um which is measured in watts per meter squared Kelvin. It's it's a measurement of how how much heat that they will resist transferring from one side to the other. 
Um, when we design a building, when an, uh, when an architect goes to design a building, you'll look at uh, the actual materials that they're looking to install. Right. Um, and typically, when for newer builds, they'll actually have the the, the U values specified. And and when you look at building materials, building insulation, they will state how much they will resist the transfer of heat. And when we go to calculate this, we can put it into a calculator, and we'll we'll calculate the heat losses through the walls, the floors, the roof, the windows, all that kind of thing. And we add all of that up and calculate how much air has been leaked through as well, which we can determine based on the uh, period in which it was built. We, we right. use the, the, the uh, building standards. Yep. Um, because when you're installing or when you're building uh, a new property, the you have to build to a minimum standard. And that's changed over the years and gotten better and better as we're building better into uh, better materials. Um, so we can determine exactly what the, the baseline for it would be. And from there, um, where you've got the actual energy required to heat it, you can then calculate equipment is best suited for that right, okay. to, to offset that loss. Yeah. So you've mentioned passive design measures, etc. Mm -hmm. But if you've got a, an existing building, how would you go about establishing what, what your existing wall makeup is or existing windows or roof uh, U-values are? Yep. Yeah. So what you would do uh, when you can't establish exactly from uh, the building standards, you can uh, actually do an invasive survey. So you can um, pull up the materials and, and drill into the, the walls, for example, to establish what's actually there in order to determine uh, the, the thermal performance of the, the material. Um, right. So from there, we can then calculate the, the actual um, heat loss of the building. Um, the other thing that you can look at doing uh, to establish where the... Um, the building is leaking air, for example, for, for um, ventilation, is that you can take a thermal imaging camera and, and look at where the cold spots of the building are, um, and that will tell you exactly what, what spots you need to actually um, provide better insulation and provide more um, more seal for the, the building to, to not leak air. So there seems to be a bit of a theme going through everything you're saying. It's it's not about just rushing out and buying an air source heat pump or no, solar no. PV. Yeah. It's about reducing your overall energy usage. Yep. First, yeah, and then, and then once you've exhausted those ways, then then you maybe look at renewable energy technologies. Exactly, is yeah. that correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So, so I've got a seven kilowatt electric vehicle charger. Can I install solar PV to offset this? You would struggle with a seven kilowatt vehicle. So, with with a vehicle that's requiring a large amount of uh, energy, what you'll tend to find the limiting factor is the the space that you have available on the roof. So the the panels themselves, they're obviously increasing every every year as the technology is developed, but you'll tend to find that they'll be rated from anywhere from 100 up to, to 300 watts of output per panel. And each panel is two meters by one meter. So if you can imagine that your roof space is, is going to be the limiting factor or the available land space that you have. Um, with a larger array, you'll tend to find it's not going to fully cover the, the actual um, output or the input required for the car. Um, you will be able to offset that with battery storage, but it's it's likely you're not going to fully cover the the, the cost of um, the electricity required for charging the car in a domestic setting. In a domestic setting, yes. Yeah, yeah. So if I don't want the the large upscale capital cost of mm -hmm. these renewable energy technologies such as heat pumps or solar PV, mm -hmm. is there any other avenues that I can look at, or any other? Um, methods out there I can look at to reduce my energy bill and my reliance on fossil fuels? Yeah, there is certainly. So uh, what you'll tend to find is with traditional systems, you'll have a boiler that will feed into the, the radiator system 
and that'll all be running at the same temperature and all running at the same time. You might find within um, traditional uh, designs, you might have a couple of thermostats, but what, what can help with reducing your energy bills is having individual room control and, and addressing the actual control scheme. Um, what you might find is that if you're only using one or two rooms, you might not need the other rooms on and you can uh, use individual room controls uh, with uh, temperature and timer uh, adjustments to, to bring down uh, when they're actually heating and when they're when they're consuming energy. Yeah. Um, so you can reduce your bills by just turning off the rooms that you're not using, essentially. So I'm wanting to install underfloor heating mm -hmm. in my property. Is there anything that I need to consider um, before installing underfloor heating? Yeah, by, so when you're looking at underfloor heating, um, what's important to think about is what's your, uh, what you're going to be putting on the floor, um, what your floor surface is going to be. They tend to operate an awful lot more efficient um, when it's things like tile or uh, concrete slab, that kind of thing. Um, with carpets, it's if you can imagine putting a towel over your radiator, for example, it, it insulates an awful lot more than you would uh, with a solid surface. You can also use wood and, and that kind of thing, but it would need to be engineered in order to um, to not bend and warp uh, with the amount of heat that you're putting through it. Yeah. Um, with underfloor heating as well, the other thing to consider is is uh, what the use is. Um, for example, bathrooms and things like that, you're you're a little bit more limited with the floor space. Um, so we just need to look at the layout and and how much heat the room is actually using in order to um, to, to heat that that space. Uh, what you might find with bathrooms and actually what we tend to recommend is using towel reels as well to both supplement the heat but also to provide you somewhere that you can dry your towel um, when you need it. And there's many many different systems out there. When when you do research on underfloor heating, mm -hmm. you get screeded systems, you get dry mix systems, you get proprietary systems. That are, of course. Um, is, is there any benefit to any of these systems? What, what's the most effective solution? The most effective solution tends to be the, the pipes and screed. Um, the reason for that is the, the actual um, screed itself acts as a thermal mass, is what we call it. And it basically it will distribute the heat an awful lot more efficiently than, for example, a, a diffusion plate system or, or um, a, a biscuit system like you mentioned. Um, it, it's obviously very case specific with, with renovations and things like that. You would struggle to install uh, a pipes and screed because you, you don't have the floor space. Um, what you tend to find is older properties have uh, joists um, underneath the floor rather than a solid base. Um, so using plates and things like that is much, much more cost effective and, and typically the only system that we would recommend. So we've touched on domestic heating systems. If I've got a restaurant and an office block, etc., would I heat it the same way with boilers and heat pumps? Or so not, it might not be exactly the same way. What you would want to look at considering and, and, and thinking about is the actual ventilation and the, the airspace that you're heating. Um, what we would tend to recommend for, for offices and for larger scale properties and, and uh, restaurant restaurants as well, um, that kind of thing would be a, a VRF system um, where you can either uh, heat the air itself with uh, either a boiler or a, a split system where you're using DX uh, units and they, they can run off of heat pumps as well. Um, but in that sense, you're much more you tend to be much more efficient, much more, um, much more space efficient to to heat the air as well, so you don't have large radiators and things like that in the yeah in the, the the property. And obviously, they give you comfort cooling as well. Yeah, they do, yeah. So Whereas a radiator obviously exactly. obviously wouldn't. Yeah, and they also manage the air so that you're not breathing stale air, for yeah. example. Lewis, is there any funding available to people, even on a domestic scale or a 
or larger scale commercial? Is there funding available to help people install renewable energy technologies? Yeah, there, there certainly is. So what we'd always recommend and, and what we'd always look at is speaking with the um, Energy Savings Trust. Uh, they can actually, for your local authority, tell you um, exactly what's actually available to you. Um, with, with heat pumps and that kind of thing, there's actually a, um, a VAT uh, relief for that and um, so for when you're installing that you don't have to pay VAT on, on renewable technologies and um, which helps with the, the cost of the install as you can imagine 20 percent exactly um but it, the funding actually varies depending on the, your your local authority or council area um but the energy savings trust will tell you exactly what's available depending on that area right okay and is there grants available interest-free loans or that kind of thing it can vary yeah both both grants or or loans um what you you tend to find for commercial properties there's also the renewable heat incentive unfortunately that's ended for the domestic properties um but for commercially you can you can get um a feed-in to based on how much energy you're generating or how much energy you're um consuming from the heat pump they'll the government will pay you based on that so so Lewis, if i want to install one renewable energy technology, what what system would give me the most bang for my buck? So the, the best solution, um, if I have to give one answer, would be solar PV. The reason being is um, with most uh, most properties, you'll tend to find that they're very case specific, but solar PV gen tends to be much more efficient to install because of the cost of the energy is increasing um, with the price uh, per kilowatt of energy. Um, the, the solar PV will bring down your electricity bill um, a bit Bit more easily than it will uh, installing a larger system and typically what's what's the return on investment for a solar pv system yep so for for solar pv the the installation um cost can be um you, you tend to get a return on investment uh, up to about 10 years um you'll you'll find with larger systems you might get that quicker you might get it slower but for for a standard system it could be up to 10 years typically around about 10 years and does that does that improve if you install if you Still battery storage. It, it certainly does because the the way that you're you're actually using the energy, um, which typically lends to itself at night, um, which is when the solar panels aren't generating. So if you have a battery storage, it then means you're you're using more of the energy that you you generate during the day. So I've heard that I've heard that people install solar PV and then over time, as they get dirty, mm -hmm. the the energy reduces. Is there anything I can do to sort of? prolong the lifetime of my of course solar panels so taking care of the solar panels is always is always important get them cleaned um make sure for example birds nesting aren't nesting in them um what i would check is that you're you're not um shifting an endangered species or anything like that but keep the solar panels clean and they'll always be more efficient um the other thing to consider is that there's not been uh trees or something growing that that you can cut down to to uh, prevent solar shading on the right. actual panels themselves and if you need to, you can always speak to a specialist to see if they are, are reaching the end of their life cycle. But you do typically get up to about 20 years on, on solar panels these days. And and see if you don't like the, the look of solar panels on your roof. Is there anything that you can do to to sort of minimise the visual impact? Of course. So there's there's a number of different, actually, installation methods. Um, for example, it doesn't really need to go onto your roof. It can be installed at the, the feet of your garden, or, or if you have more land, it can be installed elsewhere. Um, if you're limited space, then um, you actually get in-panel, in in-roof uh, in systems that will, will uh, be within the, the actual slate or the build, uh, the roof material. Um, you can also get solar uh, solar slates or, or solar roofs that will um, that look almost identical to 
um, traditional systems. So that's the actual tiles of solar panels exactly. rather than installing separate solar panels? Exactly. It, it's obviously depending on how much cost and how much uh, you're willing to spend on it, but you can get systems that look nigh identical to, to slate or, or whatever you'd would like. Would that mean I would need to change my roof every 20 years? So if the solar panel's only got 20 years, does that mean I would need to change? So if you, they will still provide uh, protection from rain and things like that, but if you're still wanting to generate, you will find that the, the efficiency of the panels starts to drop off um, or starts to reduce. So you might find the, the energy bills starting to rise again. So it would mean you would have to replace the, the uh, not necessarily the whole roof, yeah. but as, panel, as uh, specific sections of the roof start to go, you might need to replace them, yes. Right, okay. Thanks, Lewis, for being on the podcast. You've it's really been a great insight into renewable energy and technologies and what what systems are available, um, and also other other design measures that are not necessarily about going and spending great amounts of money on new technologies. Is is there anything else that you would like to tell the audience that might help them in reducing their energy bills going forward? Yeah, so um, I would always recommend speaking to a specialist. They will be able to tell you exactly. Uh, what's going to be the best solution for you to get the most of it bang for your buck. Um, the the problem with heating systems and, and that kind of thing in general is they're all very specific to the, the project. Um, so speaking with a specialist, we'll be able to tell you exactly what's, what's needed for you and what is the best solution for you to reduce your energy bills. Great. Thank you very Thanks much for us. having me.